0: Good morning again, everyone. It is Christmas Sunday, so Merry Christmas to everyone. The week leading up to Christmas is always such a special time of the year, and I know it can be somewhat stressful for adults. I also know it can be a little confusing for children as well. I heard a joke about two little boys who were spending the night at their grandparents' house the week before Christmas. And at bedtime, the two little boys knelt down beside their beds to say their prayers. And the younger one began praying at the top of his lungs. He said, I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new Nintendo. His older brother leaned over, nudged him and said, why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. To which the little brother replied, no, but Grandma is. <laughs> Thus, if you need to take a break from the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, again, please join us for our candlelight service on Tuesday at 7 o'clock, as we will celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And church, when I say celebrate, I mean we will celebrate. Celebrate. But we will be also looking at the Christmas story today as well. This morning we will be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, looking at Matthew's version of the Christmas story. Now some quick context before we get to the text in Matthew. Typically we read the Christmas story from Luke's account. Luke gives us the most details. And in Luke's account, we see the story from the Virgin Mary's perspective. We see Gabriel appearing to Mary, saying, "...you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High." In Luke's account, we see an angel of the Lord appearing to shepherds saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And yet in Matthew's account, we don't get any of that. Instead, we get the story from Joseph's perspective. Joseph the carpenter. Joseph the son of David a descendant of David, Joseph the legal and adoptive father, if you will, of Jesus Christ. But what we get in Matthew's account is a beautiful, clear, and concise picture painted for us of who Jesus Christ is. Our thesis this morning, or the themes that we will be looking at this morning from our sermon, is this. That Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, a descendant of David, and he is God with us. Again, Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, a descendant of David, and he is God with us. Our text this morning that we will be looking at is Matthew chapter 1 will be in verses 18 through 25. I'd highly recommend you following along in your Bibles this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for coming into this world as Jesus Christ. God with us. Lord, I pray that our hearts are receptive to this truth this morning. Open our eyes and our ears to the text. Father, it is a true mystery. I am inadequate. I am unable to properly display your glory this morning. I pray, Father, please give me the words. Please give me the words this morning to showcase this dear flock who you are. And give us joy this morning. You have given us victory over the grave because you came to be with us. You came to fulfill the law for us. You came to give us life through your death and resurrection. To you be the glory now and forever and ever. Amen. Our sermon this morning, it has three points, and we will obviously start with point number one. Jesus Christ, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We'll be looking at verse 18 this morning for that, which reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Matthew opens his text. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. He says, this is how it went down. These are the facts. Fact number one, he says, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. You may be sitting there thinking betrothed, kind of like they were engaged. Well, kind of. You see, within Jewish culture at the time, to be betrothed, was to be legally bound to someone. There was a formal ceremony that took place. Often rings or some other type of jewelry was given back and forth. As James Kaufman points out, betrothal was legally equivalent to marriage. Additionally, during this process, a pledge was made between the man and the woman, which typically took place about a year and during that time, the bride to be, she would not live with her future husband, but she would live with her parents. So when it says when his mother, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, that before means that before Joseph took Mary out of his parents' house and brought her to live with him. Before they consummated the marriage, before they cohabitated together, before they lived together, before there was any chance of sexual relations between the two, Mary was found to be with child. But this child inside of Mary, it was not conceived via an act of immorality or an act of promiscuity or Mary sleeping around or adultery adultery which was punishable under the law by death via stoning at the time Deuteronomy 22:23 but we see here she was found to be with child from the holy spirit what she was found to be with child via the holy spirit not from Joseph not from some random lover but via the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit Church. The Huffington Post ran an article in 2012 which was titled, Virgin Birth in Animals, Parthenogenesis is No Miracle in the Animal Kingdom. It reads, for billions of Christians around the world, the holidays are a time to celebrate Jesus' birth to the Virgin Mary. But for many animals, virgin birth is far from a miraculous event. Researchers have discovered a growing number of species that reproduce without the assistance of the opposite sex. Known formally as parthenogenesis, researchers have noted that a virgin birth can occur naturally in some species of snakes, sharks, lizards, crayfish, and insects. What I want to point out about this article is that researchers have discovered that God in his wonderful wisdom and God in his wonderful creativity has made it possible for parthenogenesis or a virgin birth to take place within some species in the animal kingdom. But make no mistake, church, there is nothing natural about the virgin birth of Christ who was conceived from the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Church, this is why the secularist, this is why the humanist, this is why the liberal theologian despise the virgin birth. Because it cannot, it cannot, it cannot be explained naturally. The original Greek in verse 20, it says the child conceived in Mary was from the Holy Spirit. The original Greek there, which is made clear by Andres Kosenberger, says the Holy Spirit is portrayed as the source of Jesus' origin and not merely as an agent working with Mary in this act of conception. Thus, Jesus Christ being conceived of the Holy Spirit of God himself, Jesus Christ then is truly God. And being born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ then is truly man. He is truly God and he is truly man. Now, you may be sitting there this morning thinking, but Wes, does this really matter? I mean, this does, I will admit, kind of seem folktalish or legendary, I mean, what if Mary snuck out of her parents' house one night, she went over, saw Joseph, and they conceived this this child naturally? I mean, does our Christian faith then, does it really fall apart? Hebrews 4.15 says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Church, if Jesus had a physical earthly father, then Jesus would have had a sin nature. Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so also death was passed on to all men because all have sinned. All men sin." And if Christ was born of Adam, if he had an earthly father, he would have been tempted just like we are, and just like us, he would have sinned. And if that was the case then Christ would not have fulfilled the law perfectly. There is no perfect life of Christ. And if there's no perfect life of Christ, then there's no spotless sacrifice for our sins. And if there's no spotless sacrifice for our sins, there's no one to appease the wrath of God. No one to clothe us in His righteousness. And if that is the case, then sin and death had not been defeated. And if sin and death had not been defeated, then there's no reconciliation back to God the Father. And if there's no reconciliation, then there is no eternal salvation. Does the virgin birth matter? You better believe it does, church. Thus marvel this morning that your Savior, He was not begotten from man, but He is truly the eternal Son of God. Which brings us to point number two. Jesus Christ, a descendant of David. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Within the Jewish community at the time, and really throughout the ancient Near Eastern culture, adultery, it was bad news bears. Albert Barnes puts it this way, in Egypt, it was punished by the cutting off the nose of the adulteress. In Persia, the nose and the ears. In Judea, death by stoning. And being that Mary is betrothed to be with Joseph, and she is with child, and that child is not Joseph's, Joseph here, he has all the power. If Joseph would like, he could drag her through the courts, he could expose her to the most heinous public shame. And eventually, if he wished, he could have her punished to the fullest extent of the law. But verse 19 says, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Joseph was a just man. And although Mary is the woman he loves, although she is the woman he is about to marry, she is with child. And it is not Joseph's child. And the evidence that this child is of God to Joseph, it's just too much for him to believe. So in verse 19, it says that he resolved to divorce her quietly. He doesn't want to publicly shame Mary. He doesn't want to make a spectacle of this. In our modern times, he does not want to bring her onto the Maury Povich show for a public DNA testing. He does not want Maury to cry out, you are not the father. He just wants to quietly and justly move on with his life. But verses 20 and 21, it says, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Since it is only God who could do this supernatural work Inside of Mary would make sense for God to send an angel then to explain it. But the question remains why Joseph? Why does God go out of his way to send an angel to Joseph? Was Joseph's potential as a father so great? Was Joseph the only one gullible enough to believe in the virgin birth? Was he the only one so head over his heels for Mary that no matter who this baby she is pregnant with, he would still love her? He would still stick with her? No. Why Joseph? Verse 20, it says, because he is the son of David. God spoke these words to David through the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 7. He said, The Lord declares to you, That the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Nathan goes on and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established
1: forever.
0: Messiah would come from the lineage of David. He would be a future son of David, and his kingdom and his throne and his reign would be forever. And Matthew, throughout his Gospel, points out that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Son of David. In Matthew 1, the first chapter in the first verse, we see a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Son of David. In Matthew 9:27, two blind men cry out to Jesus, have mercy on us, Son of David. In Matthew 21, 9, when Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the crowds cry out and Jesus accepts, Hosanna to the Son of David. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he is the son of David. But how could a man without an earthly father, legally according to Jewish Jewish customs, be the son of David? And that is where Joseph comes in. As R.C. Sproul points out, for Jesus to be the son of David in Jewish categories, Legally, his father also had to be a son of David. And that is exactly what Joseph was. In verse 20, it says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph here is called to put his confusion, to put his fear aside, and to trust in the Lord. To take Mary as His bride and to accept the child inside of her. To name this child. To bring this child in. To legally father this child who is Jesus Christ, the final Son of David. Revelation 22.16 says that Jesus is the root and the descendant of David. He is the bright morning star. It is Christ who ushers in salvation and is the brilliance of an everlasting and eternal kingdom. Take heart this morning, church. Jesus Christ, He's our promised Messiah. Jesus Christ, He is the fulfilled Son of David. And Jesus Christ, He will reign eternally on His throne and in His kingdom forever. Which takes us to our third and final point this morning. Jesus Christ, He truly is God with us. Matthew 22 through 25. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, there are a number of different directions I could go here. There are many talking points, discussions, and debates that have come from this text But being that it is Christmas Sunday, our focus this morning is that Jesus Christ is truly God with us. Verses 22 and 23, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew here is quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And he is saying that the birth of Jesus Christ fulfills completely this prophecy. And you may be sitting there this morning thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar, but the prophecy says that they will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. But Matthew clearly points out that they are to name him Jesus. We have Jesus and we have Emmanuel. How does Jesus fulfill this prophecy if his name is Jesus and not Emmanuel? Well, the given name to the child that Mary births is Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Jesus Christ is the one who will save his people from what they need to be saved from. He will save them from their sin. Verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. But he fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah as Emmanuel because he is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ is the same essence. He is the same nature as God the Father. Thus, he is God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, when you beget, you beget something of the same kind as yourself. A man begets human babies, a beaver begets little beavers, and a bird begets eggs, which turn into little birds. But when you make or create You make something of a different kind from yourself. A bird makes a nest, a beaver builds a dam, and a man makes a machine. Jesus Christ was not created by God. He was not a creation of man. He is the eternal Son of God incarnate. He is God in flesh. He is God with us, thus He is Emmanuel. And if you want to know what God looks like, look to Jesus Christ. If you want to know how God acts, if you want to know how God loves, if you want to know how God communes, how he sacrifices, look to Jesus Christ who is God with us. Hebrews 1:3 says he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians 1:15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus Christ in John chapter 10 verse 30 said, "I and the Father are one." And why did Jesus Christ come? Why God with us? Did he come to condemn us? Did he come to be a political revolutionary? Did he come to be our divine genie? No! What is his name? It is Jesus. It is Yahweh saves. God came to us to save us. From what? From exactly what we need saved from. Our sin. As David Schrock points out, this is why Emmanuel is such mind-blowing news. God did not come to destroy us, even though that is exactly what we deserved. He came in humility. He came in grace. He came in love to save his people from eternal destruction and death, a scenario that we could never avoid if left to ourselves. Jesus Christ came to atone atone for our sins. Now that is a gift, church. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus calls Matthew, the author of this gospel, this way. It reads... As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Did you catch that, church? He came not to call the righteous but sinners, not to call people who think they are healthy, who think they have no need for a savior, but to call sinners, the vilest, the foulest, the most wicked, obnoxious, deplorable sinners out there. That is who Jesus Christ came to save, of whom we are the foremost. And that is good news, church. That is great news. That is life-changing and eternal news. That Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, came into the world, our only Savior, to save us from eternal damnation caused by sin. Merry Christmas, church. There is no greater present than that. Thus, as we close this morning... I'll begin first by addressing the non Christian that is here. To the non Christian that is here this morning, Christmas is a season of joy. It is a season of hope. It is a season of triumph for the Christian. And it is not a season of joy for the Christian because we get to show off our new Christmas pajamas on Instagram. It is not a season of joy for the Christian because we get to display how many gifts we get our children or our grandchildren. It is not a season of joy for the Christian because we get to pretend to show the world how holy we are. Because here is the catch. Those who think they have it all together spiritually, who think they have no need for a savior, no need for a physician, they are deceived. Romans 3 says, none are righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. No one understands. To the non-Christian that is here this morning, Christians are joyful at Christmas because we were once dead in our sins. And now we are alive in Jesus Christ. So please know this morning, no matter the weight No matter the depth of your sin, Jesus Christ came to save you from every one of them. He came to fulfill the law for you. He came to live a perfect life, a life that we could never live. And then he freely gave himself up on a cross as a ransom for the sins of his children The wrath that I deserve for my sins. The wrath that all of Christ's children deserve for their sins. Jesus Christ bore that wrath. He was our substitute. He took our place. And he was crushed. He was crucified. And he died. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Because sin had no case against him. Death had no case against him. He was truly God. He was truly sinless. He came to give us life through his death and through his resurrection. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day, Christmas 2019, that you repent of your sins, you turn from your sins, and you trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sins who fulfilled the law, who will clothe you in His righteousness and will reconcile you, put you back into communion in union with God forever. And your gift this morning, your eternal present, Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. No longer will you be dead in your sins, non-Christian, but you will be eternally free, eternally alive in Christ. And to the Christian that is here this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, I realized just a moment ago I described Christians as joyful and hopeful and triumphant, triumphant during the Christmas season. But I also realized that maybe not all of us have that demeanor. Maybe not all of us have that mindset this morning. Because the holidays, they can be tough. Raising children during the holidays can be tough. Dealing with your family during the holidays can be tough. Missing your families during the holidays can be tough. Dealing with our insecurities which only seem magnified during the holiday season, it can be tough. Thus let me encourage you this morning. In a moment we are going to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And one of the verses of that brilliant song reads, O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, unto your own to rescue them. From depths of hell your people save and give them victory or the grave. Christian, you have Emmanuel. You have God with us. You do not have God was with us. You do not have God sometimes with us. You do not have God will be with us. You have God with us. You have God the Father who knew you as a child before the creation of the world. God the Son who atoned for the sins that you've committed yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, convicting you of sin, righteousness, and of judgment until you reach glory. Our God, brother Christian, sister Christian, He is with us. He called us out of the depths of our depravity. He paid the price for our sin and will be with us until we see victory in peace. Paradise. Thus it is my prayer we leave here in all of the incarnation, in all of the Word becoming flesh, in all of God becoming man to save sinners from their sin. Let our eyes not be fixed on the presents we receive, the iPhones and the iPads, the video games and the bikes. Let our eyes not be fixed on the delicacies we're going to eat, the ham and the roast beef, the cookies and the cakes. Let our eyes and let our hearts be fixed on Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who saved us. Brother Christian, sister Christian, you are more well off You are more plentiful. You are richer than you could ever imagine this morning. And do you know how I know that? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we will receive the riches of his glory. Salvation with our God. Thus, thanks be to God this Christmas, now and forever for this inexpressible gift. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, He is God with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we were dead in your sins, deserving of your just and perfect wrath, and you came into this world to save us from any sin we ever committed, any sin we'll commit today, any sin we will commit in the future. You died for those sins. And Father, through faith in you, we will be clothed in your righteousness, reconciled to God the Father forever. Father, thank you. Thank you for coming into this world to rescue us, to save us, and to make yourself beautifully known to us. You are the exact imprint of his nature. Let our eyes be fixed on you and thankful for all that You have accomplished above anything else this holiday season and now and forever.
1: Amen. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, Ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Come, thou rod of Jesse. Oh, come, thou rod of Jesse, free Thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell, thy people say, And give them victory o'er the grave. come thou day spring oh come thou day spring from on high and cause thy light on us to rise disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to fly rejoice Rejoice, rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to Israel. O come, O come, true prophet of the Lord, and turn the key to heaven's door. Be Thou our comforter and guide, and at His Father's side. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Shall by his word our darkness dispel Oh come, our reign, high priest, and intercede Thy sacrifice our only plea The judgment we no longer fear Thy precious blood has brought us near Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Has banished every fear of hell King of Nations Oh come, Thou King of nations, bring and end to all our suffering. Bid every pain and sorrow cease, and reign now as our Prince of Peace. Rejoice, rejoice, man you well. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Rejoice, rejoice, man you well shall come again with us to dwell.